Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello, Hockey World. It's Thursday, August 11th, 2016. I'm, I'm not Michael Phelps. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. I think Eck wrote down the time and day there. I think the day and date. I do. I think I'm you trying know. to compose myself to do this very professionally beforehand. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get into a space, you know, <laughs> character. And I'm Eklund, and you're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday at this time to fill you in on the hockey comings and goings of the hockey world. And today, I guess we should start off with um, sort of a minor thing, but an interesting one in, in James Wisniewski signing a PTO, that would be a part-time offer or a... <laughs> yeah, a professional, professional tryout. Professional tryout, yeah, professional tryout um, with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And um, James Wisniewski, who has made, has made good money over the last several years, um, not playing because he's been hurt a lot, uh, I think I think he's probably not looking for much money in, in this deal. Probably, and this might actually become a really interesting little steal for the Lightning. I mean, if you can grab a guy like James Wisniewski out, you know, and get him for very minimal, just because he wants to go someplace where he can win. Um, I don't. I, I'm a. I'm a. I'm always been a James Wisniewski fan. I'll admit that. So I'm. I'm a little bit biased here, maybe. But I. I and I think. But he has 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 had some rough times the past few years. Well, I think that's what we 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 all sort of agreed upon, though, that this is what was going to happen based on his injuries. Yeah. Yeah, oh, you weren't on that day, Mike. Uh, yeah, I didn't agree on that at all. No. Yeah, I, I, I did the I did the tryout versus right. contract, and I thought with the fact that you know there are not that many defensemen out there that he would get a team to bite on a bite on a uh, on a one year deal. Now the thing is, and we know this from other situations, you know the the the, the agent and the team will negotiate. A, an amount. He, you know, uh-huh. they'll say, okay, he's going to get a million five if he makes the team. But we want to see if he's if he's up to it, if his knee can right. handle it. So they probably have already agreed on money. It's just a question of whether they're going to make that next step and take that perf- and and offer him the one year contract. But, but uh, basically, I said PTO and you didn't, so I'm right and you're wrong. That's really what it boils down to. A broken clock is right twice a day. Um, but but saying in saying that, I think it's a good risk for for the Lightning because. I mean, before he blew out his knee in the first game of the season with Carolina, I mean, this is a guy who's making over $5 million a year, a defenseman who can score. He's, you know, not your prototypical offensive defenseman. I think I put him in the sort of the, and I'm not saying he's as good as Keith Yandel, but sort of that Keith Yandel rover type of defenseman, more than a traditional stay-at-home guy or, or puck rusher. Uh, but he can generate offense. He could be a point man on the power play if needs be. And with them getting rid of Matt Carl on the buyout, if is, if Wisniewski even just fits in on the bottom pairing, it, you know, if the goal of Tampa Bay is to win the Stanley Cup, this is this could be a godsend for them as a, adding a veteran guy and not having to depend on one of those young guys like Slater Cuckoo or somebody else to to be at, in in the top uh, top six on on the what Lightning or Nesterov, the um. Yeah, I think Nesterov is the odd man out here if if Wisniewski makes it. I would think so. Um, well, you know, at, well at, a, at a certain point, if 
if Nestor, if if they bring in Wisniewski and and they're playing hardball with Nesterov, I mean, you know, maybe the KHL is a is a yeah. option for Nesterov. Well, because you figure, like you said, Cuckoo probably has a position this year. He did prove himself, and so they got you know, and Carl's gone, and so this would be a way of adding a less risky puck mover if, if Wisniewski's healthy because he's less risky than Matt Carl, and and Cuckoo was already less risky than Matt Carl even last year. So I think this is, you know, this is a big upgrade for Tampa. Like this would really um, make me think better of their defense if they added him. I completely agree with you. I mean, yeah. I, and if they get him. I mean, this is the kind of thing. This is like this is the rich get richer scenario right. that you see with teams that are really good. Sometimes, you know, like this is what Chicago. This is like a Chicago Blackhawks type move, honestly. And it's a short. It's a short term fix. I mean, it's a he'll probably get a one year deal if he if he makes the team, and that's beneficial for both teams because Wisniewski has to prove his worth in terms of his health. And if he puts up good numbers, and, you know, Tampa has tons of offense, obviously, with with Stamkos and that plethora of offensive talent that they have, if Wisniewski has a really good offensive year, then he can go into free agency next year and demand a two- or three-year deal and get close to what kind of money he was getting uh, with uh, Anaheim and Carolina. Tampa's a perennial contender now, there's no doubt. The interesting thing is somebody cornered me the other day. I don't know where I was, and they were like, well, who's good this year? Well, who are you going to think? And you know what? And I couldn't believe I was saying it, but I actually said the Nashville Predators. I did. I actually feel wow. like this could be a big year for them. And I, I just – they were the first team that came to mind. I didn't – you know, and I said, I don't think Chicago is the same. I don't think L.A. is the same. I don't think the Sharks are going to be the same as last year. You know, Pittsburgh will certainly be in it. Tampa will certainly be in it. But I don't know why my brain went to the Nashville Predators. We'll see if it stays there when camp opens, but it's sort of there now. I'm, I, you know, when I think of the, I've been asked the same question a couple times, and I go back to Tampa and I go back to Pittsburgh, obviously, because you know that's the, seems to be the law, right? Right. But, but you know, um, <clears throat> Pittsburgh is is one of those teams. This was it just lightning in the bottle? You know, I don't it know. Been. It could have been, but it, was, it went on for a very long time, so it feels like. It feels like not, but I, I agree with you with Nashville as far as the West goes, and I can't help but think Chicago is going to be back like somehow. I just think that. I mean, look, Chicago is in it. They're always going to be in it, yeah. but I think, I think the last few years of mortgaging has has mortgaged their depth. I don't think their depth yeah. is the same anymore. Depending on how, depending on how they address their defensive situation, and, and I'm saying because they have a a over abundance of defensemen, I could see Anaheim. Uh, I mean, they they lost to Nashville in the first round. They, you know, they have Gibson as the number one goaltender. They're they're stacked on the blue line. If they can get some scoring, if they trade Fowler for forward, um, and sign Lindholm, I, I give them a good chance of coming out of the West. I'm not saying they're the only one. I think Chicago will be back. I think Nashville has improved. I think the addition of Subban is really going to help them. But I, I don't know. And I I, I not just Subban I, too. Here here's. It's 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 a Subban Laviolette factor. It's not just adding Subban because look, if you added Subban to a lot of other teams, I don't know if I would say, hey, that's going to all of a sudden throw them over the top. But now you're sort of adding them to a yeah. Laviolette team where that does suit suit his style. Not that Shea Weber didn't suit it, but right. really Shea Weber's not the kind of guy. I mean, yes, he's a Prongerish yeah. guy, and, and and Laviolette worked with Pronger, but Pronger is better than Shea Weber. I mean. I don't think that's any slight to Shea Weber. It's just the way it is. Yeah. I just I think Shea Weber has a better shot, but I think Pronger was always more effective. But I think Subban adding that extra speed to that lineup that, that Weber didn't have and just getting more shots on net and getting a chance for them to have a better power play, it just, it just seems like 
it could be a really good year for them. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think the fit the fit is much better both ways. Weber yes. in Montreal, Subban with uh, with, uh, with Nashville, and you know, Johansson settles in now. It's yep. for a full year there, and Forsberg is coming into his own on, on now on a new deal. Yeah, I, I can see I mean, that. If they had any kind of offense, I mean, that's the biggest thing with Nashville. We're always saying that. But if they have any kind of offense, they're going to have a good year. Right, but my my thing with Anaheim is, and I know you know I've been I've been uh, labeled a Randy Carlisle lover, but I just think that after that, so. after that you know sort of country club atmosphere with Bruce Boudreaux, I I think they needed somebody who would stick a cattle prod somewhere, and that's what Randy Carlisle is going to. Randy Carlisle did not stop being a good coach. No, it, no, no. But we'll see if he does that this go round because. There's a certain amount of guys there that are comfortable with Randy and wanted yeah. Randy. And, like, you don't ever hear – here's the only difference, and I'm not saying this is a good thing or a bad thing, but you never hear players saying, oh, thank God we hired John Tortorella and we got John back. <laughs> yeah. Nobody ever says that going into training camp, right? But they said that about Carlisle. That's my only worry for that team is that they slip on the old shoe. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's legitimate. I, th I think that's a legitimate worry too. I, I, I think they're – I, I honestly think Anaheim has to find itself completely. I, I think that you know they're gonna. I think they could struggle out of the gate very much so. Even even though they have Carlisle back, I think he's a good coach. But I don't think that the coaching. I think the coaching has been overblown in that in that city. Honestly, I really. I don't think it's been Boudreaux's fault. I mean, they've had a very good team. No, I mean we know that there's some misplaced salaries. Yeah, I mean you can talk about the playoffs, but you know at this end, players, the core yeah. players didn't perform. When yeah, I think that's why I think the general manager. When we talked the other day. I think the general manager actually has been pretty much overrated in that yeah, situation. When you were the wor you were the worst team in the league, the worst record in the league through the first two months. I mean, worse than Toronto, worse than yeah, uh, Columbus. That says something. And then and then you're the best team the second half of the year. I mean, yes, some of the problem has to do with the with the core group and the players that are there, but it also I mean, I, and there, and blame has to go to Bob Murray, but I think some blame has to go to Bruce Boudreaux because clearly things weren't working. And only when he went down went to a more responsible defensive style, which is against sort, which is the same thing he did in Washington. He had this wide open offense, and then he played more responsibly. I mean, then you'd have to think that the st that stylistically things just didn't work. And I think Carlisle, in spite of what happened in Toronto with their struggles defensively, he is more of a defensive coach. And I, I think that that's yeah. No, they, I mean they'll go back to they'll they'll play the way they played at the end of the year last year. You know that's for sure. They'll be that team again. I mean, but if Eck had his way and we did more math and and we did it and we did it on a sliding scale, yeah. where we we point out production per dollars. Anaheim was probably one of the worst teams for production for dollars in the NHL, and the Rangers are pretty close by. And and that's like in this era, in this cap era, you really have to get a bang for your buck. You can no longer yeah. overpay guys. It, it just kills you. It definitely matters. You know, it matters a lot. Um, this was sent to me. This video was sent to me. It's kind of cool. So RHA Skills is a, is a um, is one of these many companies that puts out skill videos. Um, and this they put this, they put this one out six years ago. Um, and it's kind of, but it's worth watching. Check this out. So this is, um, so this is Sam Gagne, who at the time is 21 years old, and he's in this. You know, they have, they have, you know, this is a, this is a Russian guy who's teaching the skills, skill stuff. Yep. Um, and you know, so he's 21, and now who's this? Who do you think this is? Sam. Oh. Hmm. Since it's 12, so I'm, I, I, uh, the number and everything in the numbers, numbers are relevant. Okay. Irrelevant. The name on the back is not his at all. So, but this, I don't know. 
Johnny Goudreau. I'll tell you what, this guy's 13 in this. So he's 13 years old. This is a 13-year-old doing this. Okay, so, I mean, I don't know what you've seen of 13-year-olds. <laughs> this is pretty unbelievable for a 13-year-old. All right, so, um, yeah, this is a 13-year-old. All and, right, so... Uh, so Sam Gagne was 21 at the time. Sam Gagne was 21. He was. This guy was 13. This guy is now currently in the NHL. Right. I figured that. But he's and, too uh, young to be Gaudreau now. So now I have to go for a younger guy. So that would be. Go ahead. Connor McDavid. Oh. How about that? I thought that was kind of cool. I mean, you know that that's. Never heard of him. Yeah, I mean, at 13, I mean, yeah. this is the thing that you see, like, I mean, Gagne is out there, he's 21, he's already in, in the NHL at that point, right, because he's played, I mean, yeah. he got he came into the league really early, if I remember. Although, to be fair, Gretzky was doing that at, like, 8, but whatever, you know. No, yeah. for sure. I mean, I, there's, there's a... I, really not, I used to see Wayne Gretzky not. videos when he was 8 years old, do you remember that? It's really yes. not, to be fair, there, to be honest, there's, but yeah. There, um, there's a CBC video from when... Mitch Marner was like seven years old, and he's going through everybody, including the coaches. You know, it's just, he's just yeah. through. I mean, yeah, when when, the, when you have talent like that, I mean, you're going to stand out earlier in your life than. But you know, he was a big kid, obviously at 13, still. So I oh, mean, yeah. you know, yeah. Connor, you know, it's just yeah, and it brings up what we were talking about a little bit yesterday because we were talking about like is Connor McDavid like the the list that I saw this list recently, and we sent out a list. I, I think where was it? We sent out a list of forwards we were going to talk about before, which we can talk about. But the Hockey News had a list, and or they put there was this article I saw where it had basically the top hundred players listed by all these different publications. You know, do their top hundreds or whatever. Right. And yeah. Connor McDavid was in the top ten already on all of those lists. Sure. Is that fair? I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's fair yet. It's not. It's not based. It's not based on. Production. It's based on potential. They're going with futures. Yeah. Well, just, no. Right now, the list was the you know the, the, the oh, top then, ten then players. It's, then it's not. Then it's not. Is he a top ten player in the NHL right now? Be, well, I, he's had one season where, if you prorated the amount of points over eighty-two games, he had I think it was eighty-seven points. I'm not sure, but here, wait. So I, I got to give you these numbers for for younger people that have never heard them, right? And I'm wondering why I was saying that we used to get Wayne Gretzky videos when he was eight years old. So yeah. in 1969-70, playing for Brantford, he had 167 points. Now, that was an okay year. The next year he came back, and he had 316 points. Now, that was an okay year. Then the next year he came back, he had 517 points. He had 378 goals in 85 games. And this is at what, as an as a 11-year-old or a 12-year-old? 1972, he was born in 61, so 11. 11 years old. Yeah. 11 years old, he was averaging around five goals a game. <laughs> I know. No, that's... <laughs> it's mind-blowing. You'll never see numbers like that again. Now, of course, hockey players have gotten better and leagues have gotten better. And, yeah. But it just shows you that he went from 167 to 316 to 517. And it wasn't, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't like he was wearing skates and everybody else was wearing boots. It was right. Just, he was that no. better than everybody else. It's just when that kind of thing happens, I mean, what is that? You know, how does that, how does that happen? I guess that's the, that's the magic thing that everyone's know. How does something like that happen? Like, it, this is, cannot be completely... It's a freak of nature. Yeah, it's just, it can't be, it's just, it, this whole nature versus nurture thing is great coaching when, from his father, obviously, growing up, he learned how to play the game. But at some point, 
is it just like a natural thing that takes over? I mean, that's what I don't know. You know, like I, I, I've never, and I think it is. I mean, I have a friend who's got a kid who's playing in 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 youth hockey now that's killing it. And well, I mean, okay, he, you was, know? he was never the biggest player. He was never the fastest player. He was never the player who had the best shot. But it, but he he was good enough in all those things, and he had this innate ability to see the play develop before everybody else could. I mean, you know, nobody, and I'm not the biggest Wayne Gretzky fan in the world, but nobody found the open man better or led a player better in hockey history than Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, just as in comparison, like if I were to look up those numbers for Sidney Crosby, and I will, he had some eye-popping numbers too, but like nothing like that. Like this is just like... Yeah, but... It's another planet. But like X said, I mean, you know, as we've gotten further along, I mean, the quality of the opposition has improved. So he's not playing against teams like Gretzky did at 10 and 11 years old where, you know, they're, they're no, they're, nobody's a match for him. I mean... In 2001, Crosby had 193 points in 74 games, which is pretty spectacular. Almost three points a game. Almost three points a game, and and that was his highest total until he actually had 168 for Ramuski in the queue. But it just and it just shows you like Crosby is is the best player right now still of his generation until somebody passes him by, maybe McDavid will or whatever. But still shows the jump from Gretzky, even though you can't match up eras. There's nobody that's going to ever go into even midget anymore and score 517 points. Nobody yeah. will do that again. No. I mean, the thing that I always come back to, which is like, to me, is, you know, as a kid playing hockey pools, you know, this is, like, I always remember how you had to draft Gretzky's assists or goals. Yeah. And they would go one and two in the draft. Yeah. Um, like, of all, you know, so like you would, every other player, you get his points, you know, basically, whatever points he got, you get that player's points. And Gretzky, with Gretzky, you had to make, to make it fair, whoever got Gretzky would just win the pool. So you had to make it fair by splitting up his goals and assists. Yeah, that was a that was there was a span of about four or five years. Whenever he did regular season or or playoff fantasy hockey, you had to do that. But then, <laughs> at a certain point, that ended. Yeah, I, but it, it just it just shows you maybe somebody will come across like that again. It's but I can't think of a player like. Can you think of a player like today that would you be in that spot with? You know, where like you know, like you say, oh, we're gonna split up McDavid's points, or you know, or I, I, I just can't see it. I don't. Well, not, not right now, but I mean, you can't say what May, McDavid's gonna be in a year or two. I mean, like in baseball, there was one guy like one year Hack Wilson had 190 RBIs. I'm sure if somebody was playing fantasy baseball that year, they would have been like, oh my god, this guy's getting me more than an RBI a game. Right. Which is unheard of. Like that's just you know something that doesn't happen, and it's the only time that's ever happened. Yeah. Like that. So you know. Right. Now, do we have the uh, do we have the link of the of the KHL thing? Um, oh, the KHL fight. I can get it. I mean that. Do you want to talk about this? <laughs> and uh, Mike, maybe you can set this up a little bit as to what happened. We this is something that's a little bit insane. Um. Well, it was a a, a preseason game between. Uh, Astania Baris, which is a K one KHL team, and the I think they're the Kunlun Red Star, which is the one of the KHL new team. Yeah, one of the KHL new oh, Red Star teams in in China. Right. And three minutes into the first period, this player who I cannot I, I you know, I'll let you try to name uh, pronounce his name. Yeah. Um, face off occurs and he sucker punches one player. 
Um, okay, here I come. So I'm going to show you guys oh, this. Okay. So I yeah, let's let's here do the play. You will bring this up now. And so here yeah. we go. So ba -ba here we go. So check this is this is from the KHL again. Yeah. Here we go. Okay. He sucker punches one player. Okay. Here we go. Watch. What is going on? I've got this strange. There we go. Okay. Okay. So. Nope. Hold on. Sorry, guys. Sorry. No, keep it. So it's, just let it keep going. Just keep going. He's got plenty of guys to go after. Okay. Lock it on you, Eck. Just. Let I'm go. trying. I know. I'm sorry. I'm gonna pause for a second here because I'm getting on getting all kinds of other sounds going on okay. here. So stop okay. for a second. Okay. Okay. Something okay. is of askew. Let me just oh, get it. I'll, I'll I'll explain it while we were requeuing it. I mean, essentially. Oh, he, nice. All right, I'll get it going. Ready. He, he attacks one player, soccer punches them. The whistle goes. Another fight breaks out with somebody else, but this this particular player then goes after the guy that he sucker punched again. Then went after another player and attacked him from behind. Then went after I think it was he he did that twice, and then he went at the bench and attacked the bench. So he was completely unhinged. There was one guy who turtled so quickly he just grabbed his jersey and just like slid him across the ice, and I felt like, dude. You can't turtle like that. You got to at least get up and hack at him or something. When I, when I saw when I saw this, I was thinking this was the outtakes from the movie Goon. I mean, that's how bad it was. It was All like right, it really go. was bad. Okay. We're gonna have it up now. Here we go. So here we go. All right. Sorry about that. This is CBS's website just completely yes. doing all kinds of stupid things. All right. So here okay. we have it. That's the sucker punch. Okay, this is the sucker punch. Now they're you know they're. You know, to, and the, the referee is clueless here because there's another fight going on. So he lets this guy, and the, and as he lets him go, he, he sucker punches this guy. <laughs> and here's the drag. He throws, he throws him. Then, then he goes after a third guy. <laughs> okay, and here's the coup de gras. After he finishes this, he drags him. Here's the drag. Then, yeah. Goes after the second guy, number two again. <laughs> The point was now the, the PS3 resistance. Watch, yeah. he'll turn and he goes at the bench. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing: there's six guys on the bench. Just go out there and grab him right. and start pummeling the guy. And I and, and I, made a, I made a point in a, in a blog a couple days ago. It's like, okay, is this what we have to look forward to in the NHL when you know all we know all these teams are getting rid of their enforcers? You know they're, they're going to have agitators like Antoine Roussel or Brad Marchand, and they're going to be big players who aren't particularly fighters. But you do have to have somebody who stands up for somebody. Doesn't mean they have to go out and be a predator, but they have to be. Right. A, and, and and teams are eliminating those players. So what happens if all of a sudden you have a guy who's a big guy like a Ryan Reeves or a, or a Milan Lucic type, but not somebody as talented as Lucic, and they go out there and they they do what this guy did, go after two or three guys. It's yeah. letting them run willy-nilly, and yeah, now I know the league will probably suspend, uh, you know, the NHL will probably suspend this guy for 25 games, but still. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. And you know, here's where I sort of liken it to. When I've had people say, oh, I could take Crosby in a fight, and I'm like, seriously, have you ever seen Sidney Crosby, how big he is? He may not fight, but i got to tell you something. If, if somebody were just going willy-nilly and Crosby – Got in there, he would he'd be able to handle himself. Oh yeah. Crosby fought, Crosby fought Brandon Dubinsky. That's a, that's, one, 
That's the only guy that he fights. Oh, Claude Remember that was a, there was a fight, Claude Giroux Crosby fight. Which yeah, um, but I'm just saying a lot of these guys can handle themselves a lot better than guys of other eras too because they're in yeah. such better shape. Now, so, now this this guy, they stopped the game after three minutes. They canceled it, and this player has been suspended for the entire preseason of the KHL, which. And Just then, the preseason <laughs> Right, exactly. So, That's so, horrible. But I'll give you an example. Like, let's say somebody does that on the Rangers, right? <laughs> Ryan McDonough is not a fighter, but you don't want to fight Ryan McDonough either. No. Like yeah, that's the thing. If he gets into a fight with you, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna feel it. It's just these Russ, guys don't fight all the time, but they can handle themselves. But Russ, this is the this is the KHL equivalent, and maybe this was this was a lot worse. But this is the equivalent of what Lucic did to the Sabers when he hit Ryan Miller. Nobody went after him. Right. There was nobody on the ice that was willing to go after him because of Lucic's reputation and because he's, you know, a tough guy to take on. And then the next game, Paul Gostad, you know, he was the only guy on the ice for the Sabres who had the gumption to stand up to Lucic. He got his clock cleaned, but at least he did it. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's like that that can happen, and that it's more likely to happen now with the death of the enforcer in the NHL. Yeah. I think that's true, and this is what we see. Though is kind of this typical cyclical, typical cyclical. That's our thing. Ah, thing. That's, that's a good one. Yeah. Typical cyclical thing in the NHL, in that you know we have seen. Like if you remember, you know we had before the before the Broad Street Bullies, there were you know there wasn't a lot of fighting in the league, in the league. There was some stuff that was going on, and then one team got really powerful and and you know strong and and beat up on the Flyers, and the Flyers decided they weren't going to get beat up on again. St. Louis and, Blues. Right, the Blues, and then they escalated it. And um, you know, I do think that there will come a, you know, there there may come a point. Now the question is, is you know, back then there was a difference between the enforcers that you didn't have to skate to, as well to survive it. Now you have right. to skate, right? But I don't think that really matters too much because I think there are there are going to be enforcers who are going to be able to skate. Like I, there's so many kids coming up through hockey that can skate, and if they're big and they can't quite score, they're going to turn to being I'm going to be a physical guy. You know, that's where I'm going to go. You know, and by I mean and even some of the better scorers. As you know, like some of the enforcers had huge careers in the in and oh, yeah. in, in, in putting up points as they were coming up. So I, mean, I always like to use Riley Cote as an example. I think he yeah. had thirty goals in, in in juniors. Yep, I interviewed him in in, in my like, in my on Flyer Buzz TV in the car, and I got that story, and it was inc- he's like, yeah, actually, I was pretty much touted as a scorer, you know, and he yeah. came in, and that was and he couldn't do that. A guy like Tom Wilson is a type of guy like he's. I don't think he's ever going to score twenty goals in the NHL. But he's big, he's fast, and he doesn't shy away from the physical going. And I don't know if there are many players in the NHL who would really want to mess with Tom Wilson. So he could right. he could conceivably be the type of guy who could run rough shot over a team and nobody would uh, stand up to him. Yeah. yeah but I no, think now they can because every team has at least two or three guys on defense that are 6'3 or bigger, yeah. like I think at some point the coach will look at those guys and say, you have to do something. Yeah, and just because they they're not considered fighters like wrestlers, right. they're all very, very strong. You're not talking about – and you're talking about, you're talking about guys who, would, who will defend themselves, and, yeah. and you know, they're not going to not defend themselves. So I do agree, but, but you will, you, you know, we'll, whether we'll see that big swing again back to like the getting more physical or not is, is, is an interesting question. And I think the Western Conference actually has become the more physical conference of the two conferences – um, which is which is odd, I I believe, I because I, the, if you went back through history, I would always think of the Eastern Conference being more physical, um, but I think lately in the last few years, maybe because of the intensity of the of the Western Conference, because you have so many really good teams 
We've seen some bloodbaths of playoff series in the Western but, Conference. Where but that's see the thing. That's the L.A. Kings effect. If you look at it, though, the Chicago Blackhawks have never been a physical team. They've been sort of like a cheap team sometimes, you know, they have, or an antagonistic team where you have Shaw annoying yeah. people or Seabrook or Keith, you know, using their stick as a weapon, um, but not not really uh, physical. I mean, L.A. Yeah. is big and raw-boned. Anaheim has sort of tried to match that. So is San Jose. So I think it's part of the West. So is St. Louis think- and Calgary, and, and Nashville's a tough team too. I mean, there are tough teams – Here's what I think would change that. Right now we have that one-piece glass, right, that everybody realizes is sort of like bad when you get slammed against that, you get concussion, all these things. If there's ever another breakthrough in the glass, whether it ever gets like some sort of padding or cushioning or whatever, then I could see the physical part of the game getting ramped up again. That might just be a technology thing. Yeah, that's true. Or even better helmets, you know. I was watching – it's funny you bring this up because I was watching it the other day. I was watching a game – that I had on a V, I found my old VCR tapes, you know, and I have, I, I do still have a VCR in the house, you know, connected, to, connected to an old TV, like it's part of the old TV. So I put it, in, put the VCR in, and it was, it was a game from the, you know, like the Dave Poulin, Brian Prop um, era, the Flyers. So it was like 82, 83, somewhere in there. And what I was amazed by by watching it, just when you go back to eras like that, is the concept of finishing your checks, which it was so different then, yes. where you know you could literally a guy could pass the puck away, you could still be a good four or five skates from him, but you you were allowed to go in after him after you pass the puck away four or five skates and, and finish your check that way, um, where now you see that we would see that called in a second if anyone tried that, um, and that was a big way to gain momentum was just to hit everybody, make sure everybody gets hit if they if they handle the puck they're gonna get hit. Even if it's even if it's a couple seconds later, they're going to get hit, and that was allowed. That physical, you know, I think the boards have done a lot. I think a lot of that has, and just yeah. the fact that players skate harder now, and and the fact yeah. that padding has come, has gotten smaller and lighter. So I think they feel it a little bit more in some ways. Um, even though the padding, you know, is is better, it, it doesn't necessarily protect you. Like it's not like it's gone away from football type padding, which is sort of where it was going. Well, in some in some arenas, that seamless glass is like running into a wall of concrete. It is. I remember and you know, I know I'm old, but I go back to the odd in Buffalo and I remember when, you know, say Jim Schoenfeld would hit somebody into the boards, the boards would give, the glass would give right. about a foot. And, you know, there weren't I know that players weren't skating as fast and I know they weren't hitting they, but they were hitting as hard. Yeah. And there was yeah, not as many concussions. So I mean I know that maybe with the technology right now and the arenas the way they are, it's not there is not the capability to have that much give, but I think that that might be a contributing factor to some of the concussions and head injuries. I think it plays into it for sure. I think it definitely plays into it for sure. All right, so yesterday on the number game, I wanted to start number game uh, a little bit earlier because we get today we have number nine, which is a biggie. So I want to get into that. Um, so yesterday in the number game, I made my pitch for number eight um, <laughs> as best I could. And uh, let's see what the fans out there have said. Let's go to the let's go to the results here. So, I you know number eight was a is a good one. Is it, number nine's crazy good, but number eight had its things. So let's check it out. I'm sorry, I should have had this loaded before, and I did, but I lost it. Here it is. Um, okay, so the greatest number eight's currently playing. Okay, we had we came up with three, and there've been about fifteen hundred votes in the last hour for this. Um, and this wasn't a battle at all. Of course, um, Ovechkin takes eighty five percent of this. 
Uh, Dowdy. You didn't have the goalposts. You knew he was going to win. That was the easiest. No, 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 no. Ridiculous. It was ridiculously easy. Dowdy, 12%. Pavelski, who I think is the greatest currently playing, at 3%. So, uh, poor Joe. <laughs> I don't really think he's the guy. He, he, just to make an argument. Um, the greatest eights ever to play the game. Here we go. Um, the number four, because I put, I put Larianov in there just because right, I thought we right, should. Right. Number four was Larianov with 2.84%. Um, number three, Cam Neely at 11.01%, which means we have a battle between Ovechkin and Solani. Um, winning this at 53.95%, Timu Solani. So, two for two, baby! Two for two. Timu Solani is... is my guys... too, but obviously you took him, so... I mean, I think that this is a very arguable one. I'm, I'm, no, there is no bigger oh, Timu fan course, than me. I won twice. No, but I no, think... It, this... it is arguable. This one's really arguable. This, this, Ovechkin definitely can, can be considered the best date of all time in my mind. It just... I mean, if he plays another five years at the rate he's playing, he will be. He will be right, and you know, and I mean, and Timu was phenomenal, and Timu what? had his, you know, had, had his great rookie year, and then put up, you know, had some years that were so-so, but you know, Ovechkin's been so solid throughout his career, and, and you know, and but there's no nicer person on the planet than Timu Solani, so I'm fine with him winning this. Yep, me too. Any day of the week. All right, so let's go to number nine, okay? And um, number nine, uh, I get to go first on today. Oh, jeez. Oh, well, that's fair. I haven't gone first for three days here, so. You literally got it handed to you yesterday. It couldn't no, have been... No, 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 no. Wait, wait a second. I got it handed to me, and I picked Solani, who was not considered the favorite, and I won. Mm. No, he was... Wait, no. No, no, no. Whoa, whoa. In my mind, he was the favorite. In X mind, he wasn't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, I, go ahead, Eck. Take... Uh, all right, so I'm going to go with Gordy Howe today, um, and I don't think we – I mean, we've talked so much about Gordy and everything, and, of course, there's the fact that he just recently passed away. So that's not – even had he not passed away, even if we not talked about him, um, Mr. Hockey is Mr. Hockey, and that's that simple. That's basically – that's all I have to say about that. Okay. Um, let's see. Mike or Russ, we'll flip a coin today. I'll let Mike go. No, Mike can go. no Mike, you, you go. Yeah, because no. you know this is going to be painful to Mike to pick. I like this move, Russ. Very good. Very good. Mike? I'm taking Bobby Hall. <laughs> I knew that you'd go there. Because, because I refuse to take a member of the Blue Blanca Rouge. Yeah, Bobby Hall, who, um, you know... I'm, Bobby, you can't Bobby go, Hall is one of the three, so I'll take Bobby Hall. You can't go wrong with Bobby Hall, obviously. You know, brought the WHA into existence, essentially. Gave us four new teams. You couldn't corner me, sorry. Golden Jet. The coolest, actually, the coolest Bobby Hall stat is at the time when they... We're clocking guys for different things. What did they clock him at? Sixty miles an hour as a skater. Yeah. yeah. Which was really cool for back then because it was because you know, nobody totally could cool. skate like that back then. No, no, that's totally cool. I mean, the thing that what I always remember about Bobby Hall, the stories, you know, the story that I always they grew up with, and besides having Bobby Hall hockey as my turn hockey rod hockey game as a kid, um, was the fact that Bobby Hall would take his first shot every game at the goalie's head <laughs> right. on purpose just to freak him out. And that was his, that was his MO and you knew it as a goalie, you knew he was going to shoot at your head right away. Um, and it was intimidating. And he, you know, next time he came down, the goalie was always was yeah. terrified. And that was his, I don't, I don't know how intimidating it was because these goaltenders, and I'm saying this with all due respect and love to all of them. These goaltenders were crazy enough to not wear a mask. I know. All right. So, actually, here's the real number for Hull. 
He was 29.7 miles per hour without the puck and 28.3 miles per hour with the puck. That's pretty amazing. That's that's incredible. I mean, because I said 60, and I'm thinking, yeah, it can't be that. It's probably kilometers per hour. Yeah, it might have been kilometers that I was thinking, but but that is amazing considering with the puck. That's a heck of a speed with the puck. It just shows how good an athlete. I got to interview Bobby Hall like two years ago, and it was at the National Collectors Convention, and he forgot his teeth. <laughs> and he goes, listen, I'm going out here. I don't have my teeth. And I'm like, Bob, it doesn't matter. I said, it doesn't matter that you don't have your teeth. And it was the greatest. I, I just loved it. I, I just, as, it long as, you're not eating, as long as you're not eating corn on the cob, you'll be fine. Yeah. His numbers would have been a lot greater, of course, if he had stayed in the NHL the entire time, which he didn't. Um, the Russ, composite stick. The Russ, go ahead. Well, I, I'm going to leave the other guy for basically I will leave him up for Eck to put him in. Oh, nice. Because the guy who I'm going to the guy who I'm going to pick never started a riot, and so I'm going to go with Andy Bathgate. Andy and, Bathgate. And he is a Hall of Famer as well. He's got his number retired along with Adam Graves, the number nine. The and recently departed Andy Bathgate, yes. Recently departed, but again, the best in one of the best interviews, if not the best interview of my life, when he basically told me how he intimidated Gordy Howe because his dad was a boxer and he taught Andy Bathgate how to box because in his era, you didn't have anybody to protect the guy. It was it was up to you. And so Andy Bathgate would just one punch guys in the solar plexus. And so he basically got a reputation, and he got Gordy Howe to back off. He cursed at Gordy Howe, and he said he'd knock the metal plate to the other side of his effing head, but there was no metal plate in Gordy's head. But it doesn't matter because Gordy took that as, okay, I'm going to leave you alone, and, and stopped. Because there was a whole thing. There was a, People could look it up in the New York Times. There was a thing that Andy complained about. I think it was Gordy Howe spearing him. And he I was remember. A, yeah, I remember reading about this. And he was he was a key acquisition in 1964. Well, one of the first sort of like trade deadline blockbusters. Yeah. Getting traded from the Rangers to the Leafs, and he won a cup with the Leafs in '64. So. And then he ended up with the Penguins. Penguins. Remember the year? Yeah. Um, all right, so I'm going to go with who obviously is the one A in my book. Like again, because you know you didn't mention him. If I Gordy Howe didn't exist, there'd be no question. Or if this guy wore any other number but number nine, he would be the number one player in that number, and that would be Maurice. I, I know Mike Medano. You're going to say Mike Medano, right? Maurice Richard um, <laughs> of the Montreal Canadiens, who, who played from 1943-44 to 1959-60. So talk about 16 seasons with the with Montreal Canadiens. Um, won every cup you can imagine in that period of time. And his um, last his last five seasons, he won a stand or last four four or five, he won a Stanley Cup. Yeah, just passed away last year, right? No, 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 no. Years ago? That was, that was John Bellabo. Oh, uh, I apologize. No, he um, passed away about 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, that's right. Um, and there are, there is a movie about him, which, you know, he, but this, and this, and he was very controversial, but my gosh, you know, it's hard to argue. You can definitely argue the case that Richard was better than Gordie Howe. Um, and that's, that's a really crazy thing to, for, I know, for people to say, but just in terms of what Richard could do, in terms of like true skill, in terms of actually defining like a French-Canadian skilled player, in my mind, he just defined a bunch of players that came after him. The impact he had on so many players that were to follow him um, was enormous, just like Gordie Howe's was. I mean, they have, they both had the same oh. kind of... Oh, we got some big news, Zach. Okay. Uh, Raul Lavoie from TVA Sports is reporting that Patrick Waugh has just resigned as head coach of the Colorado Avalanche. Jeez. He had All one right. year left on his contract. 
Wow, I guess he didn't like that um, that vote that knocked him. <laughs> they told him he was that said Colorado was one of the least the bet the least. Oh man, that's that's fascinating. Speaking of Montreal Canadiens, right? What happened to Russ? We lost him. Yeah, Russ just Russ was shocked by that news. I, just... I mean, that's I mean, okay, we know that after that first really big year that he had in Colorado, you know, they took a step back, but yeah, I mean. Yeah. I, that's that's interesting in so many levels um and and like i we you know we'll talk about this i'm sure more tomorrow i'm going to go do some research and write about it now but uh on so many levels this is kind of this is nuts i mean really the question that i have about this immediately is how much control does patrick wow want in a situation because i i heard there was a power struggle there to a degree that well, Sackick and Wah were on the same page, but that Wah considered himself more than just a coach and wasn't right. more than just a coach. Yeah, so. I mean, I, I think he had, I had, I think he had uh, director of player personnel or something, some other title as part of his, or you know, VP of hockey operations, something like that as part of his title. And when he was hired, they said that he would have, you know, significant input into personnel. I, I, you know, and I know that this connection was made before, and we'll talk about this more mm-hmm. tomorrow. But I know that the connection was made before he took the Colorado job about whether he would be the guy who would be the first head coach of a of an expansion franchise or a franchise in Quebec City. So now, you know, he yeah. can go. He can go and back. Quebec City got a new ownership. That group got new ownership last week. Um, I think it was um, the the Quebec City group. They took new management or something like that. They have the new top of their group, and that that's really very good. And and that that group will eventually get a team. But yeah, I think that Patrick Wah is going to show up somewhere, and you would think well, him resigning uh, at a time like this would well, lead he, to that. I mean, he own, I believe he owns the the Quebec Ramparts. Yeah, he does. He's a part owner so, of that team. So he can go back. He can go back and take over, you know, being the general manager or even the coach. I, I can't remember who the head. coach. I think it's Philippe Boucher, former NHLer, but I'm I'm just doing that by memory, so I might be, might be wrong. But you know, he could go back and be GM of Quebec for a while. Thing is, wow. it's like you look you look at. I mean, they brought in players like like uh, Gregorenko who were. You know who were uh, Patrick Wah guys? Yeah, um, big time. And and now you know not to say that the entire roster is, you know, was crafted around him, but yeah, this is. I mean, and you're talking now. We're in the middle of August, and training camp is a month away. So this is a very very strange time for this. Yeah, and they, I mean, I off the top of my head, I mean, who are the lead? Who are the coaches that could come in? at short notice and take over the avalanche. I mean, will they just hire somebody internally and go through the year that way? Or will they, will they hire somebody off the market? And there's not yeah. a lot out there because Guy Boucher is gone and, yeah. uh, and, uh, and Randy Carlisle is gone. So most of the coaches are gone. Yeah, no, most of the young coaches for sure. I'm trying to think. I mean, there's some old coaches still out there that, that could be picked Ron, up. But... Ron Wilson. Yeah, I don't think that. I don't think yeah. so. But, Fascinating. Hmm. All right. Um, well, we'll have to keep an eye on this for sure. And uh, well, I'll put up the number nine thing. I'm going to go do some research on the story and then check back uh, just a little bit after I talk to some people as to find out what I, what I think might have gone on here or, you know, based on if anyone has any real news about why this happened or how this happened at this time. Um, there's no question that Patrick Waz is a... We knew when he was the coach that he would give us lots of interesting stories. 
Just um, send a quick invite to, to Russ so he can get his thoughts before we end the show. Okay. And then we can talk about it more tomorrow because I'm sure we'll you'll find out more about this. I hope so. Yeah, it's, I mean, this, this sounds like something that will come out pretty quickly, I would imagine. Yeah, this is stunning. I mean, really. Yeah, yeah. It really is. It really is surprising. I mean, they were fine at the draft and everything seemed okay and yeah, I mean, this is just yeah. He was he was VP of hockey operations as well as head coach. Right, which is that's about as good as you can get. I mean, for what you know, besides being coach and slash GM, you know, which maybe is what he wants to have. And if he wants to have that position, then you know, I don't think that position is going to happen in Vegas. Um, you know, immediately thought about okay, is he going to go? Maybe maybe Vegas is hiring him as a coach. Um, yeah, but well, it, I mean, anything's a possibility right now, but. There doesn't seem to be any connection between George McPhee and uh, and Patrick Waugh. I know that. Not that I would think of. Not that yeah, I. Not that Mike, I no, I met Mike McPhee is, is George McPhee's brother, correct? I'm not sure. Um, and, I'm not sure. Yeah, hey, I believe he and I believe so, and he played for Montreal. But that's that's a pretty weak connection. So uh, yeah. yeah, anything's possible. But I would think that you know. That, that's why I think that if this Quebec situation, you know, it's probably going to be a year or two before that gets rectified. Well, it is. I mean, it's going to be at least a year before they're not going to start next. They're not going to start the year that Vegas is starting. So they're going to start at least in the earliest the year after that. You yeah. know, which is why I heard I heard you could hear you could hear an announcement about Quebec, you know, sometime soon, but not you know that it would still be a couple years away that it would not start at the same time as Vegas. I do think that Quebec will get a team. I don't think there's any question about that. It's just a matter of when they'll get it. Um, I don't know. I don't know. This is this is uh, this is interesting. I don't. I, I sent I sent Russ an invite, so I'm not sure. Yeah, the, he's having trouble getting back in, so we can cover more tomorrow. We'll cover. We'll talk. We we'll have to wait for Russ's. That'll be a little teaser. Wait for Russ's opinion on this all tomorrow. Um, remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey. We got to get to work. We'll talk to you soon. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.